0: Good afternoon all. We are together for our Friday afternoon class with Rabbi Akiva Zweig, Rosh Yeshiva of the Talmudic University of Florida. Today, we will be discussing Parsha's Bureshis. And at 45, we will have a beginning of a special discussion on current events and what is happening in Israel and Gaza and our conflict with uh, Hamas. The partial discussion will cover the fact that this is our war. I'm interested in seeing how we'll tie it into fighting for the dignity to be human and the holiness of our army and our homes. Uh, The month of Tishrei is anonymously sponsored in the merit of this learning to bless our family, our families, our children and grandchildren with Torah learning. Ezov Shidduchim, finding a life partner. Parnassah, making a good living good health, of course, peace, and peace for the land of Israel, shalom bayis, peace in the home, and a blessing for all in the community. We are also learning uh, to elevate the memory of the souls of Yitzhak ben Zusman HaKoin, and also to elevate the soul of Rochel Basbero. This week's cla- class is also dedicated to the safety and success of all of Kal Yisrael, without any further delay. Uh, Rabbi Akiva Zweig on the Parsha. And again, stay tuned for our 145 discussion on current events.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. Hope that, that everyone is safe and well. I think it's appropriate that we begin all of our Torah learning um, at these times for the merit of the safety of everyone in Palitra, and very specifically for all of our brothers and sisters in Eritra, especially those that are fighting uh, in the Horrible conflict that has erupted uh, with the catastrophic consequences. Parsha Spirisius is an unbelievable Parsha, and there are innumerable topics that we could cover today in general, and even specifically as relating to what is happening in the world today. I would like to focus, as the title suggested, on the fight for the dignity of humanity. And the way I would like to approach this topic is by pointing out what's really an amazing progression in the seven days of creation, which concludes with, of course, the creation of Adam and Chava and then Shabbos. So a very important concept that is both philosophic and esoteric is the idea that Hashem can create something other than Himself. The fact is that We know part of Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, the fact that God, who is infinity and the source of everything, can also be distinct from the everything, is a mind bending philosophic concept that is extremely difficult to comprehend. Kabbalists have termed this concept with the term Tzimtsum, which means a constriction, and it's just a way of allowing our minds to comprehend that, so to speak, bad restricts himself and allows other things to exist now we're not going to get heavily involved into trying to understand how the concept works that concept works i don't even know that we can but a very important feature to point out about the seven days of creation is that we go from the oneness of hashem yom echad which the rabbis point out It doesn't say the first day, it says the one day. The first day would be Yom Rishon. But instead, the Torah says Yom Echad, day one. And as such, the rabbis say, because God was alone in creation, only one on that day, even after God created, because even the angels were not created until day two. So if we look at the pattern of the seven days of creation, what we really have is metaphorically, a concept of an ever-expanding constriction. So a simple way to look at that is that light is ephemeral and is kind of the least substantive matter that we can think of, of major significance. So in a certain sense, it is closest to Hashem. When you begin to get into more material things, such as the water above and the water below, or the concept of water, and then, of course, Earth. And then, of course, you have life of different forms. Uh, First, the constellations, which have movement, and then you have the creation of the fish and the birds, and ultimately the animals, and then man. What we can really notice is that the space of creation is ever-expanding to allow for more physical things to exist. And it's interesting that man is created last, because in a certain sense, man is the furthest away from God possible. And the reason is very simple, because man is the only one that can actually contradict God's will. That's what God put into the world, called free choice. And in a certain sense, man is the only one that can stand in opposition to God, which is the gre- greatest act of constriction on the part of God. So if you look at all of that, and then we think about, isn't it amazing that the only being in creation that is called in the image of God is man, it almost seems like a contradiction. Because on the one hand, man is the furthest away from God. But on the other hand, man is the being that is closest to God, because man is the only being that's actually created B'tzalmo Uvid Muso in God's image and in His likeness. So that means that man has the greatest capacity for separation, while also having the greatest capacity for closeness. And that's, of course, the ultimate purpose of this design plan that God created man to allow him. To be most like him by giving him choice and also to be most disconnected from him by giving him that same free choice. So the ultimate question, of course, is will man choose to connect to God and truly dignify himself with the way that God created him, which is by being created in his image and his likeness, or will instead man completely strip himself of his dignity and become really even less than animals, at the very least like animals and being more physical and not having that unique connection to his own image and likeness, which is imitating that of Hashem's. Now, of course, part of the reason that I'm talking about this subject today is because that's the hallmark difference between what Hamas and all of its supporters, um, as our friend Dr. Small refers to the axis of terror, uh, which is Hamas and Hezbollah and Iran, uh, versus the Selim and the Lochim, as what we are striving for as Jewish people. So here's a fascinating thing. When it comes to the creation of all the animals, it never distinguishes male from female. The Torah simply says, God created the sea creatures, God created the land, the the air animals, the fowl, God created the land animals. But it doesn't say anything about, God created them male and female. Now we all know that there are males and females or else they can't be procreation. So why is it that God describes only man as Zehar keva bara osam, that God created man as male and female, but not the animals. And the answer is very simple: the purpose of the male-female in the animal world, and even in the plant world, which also has male-female, is reproduction. And by know it also uh, is isha. Another point, Rabbi uh, Nachman. So. The point by human beings, however, is that it's a relationship statement. It is the part of the development of the human being that he is created as a male and a female. You know why? Because otherwise, man would be alone. He would be self-centered. He would think himself as all-powerful, and he would engage in his power as a human being, as a completely egocentric, self-centered selfish, lonely, human being. And that's not good, which is what the Torah tells us. It is not good for man to be alone. So the Torah points out that in order to be truly in the image of Hashem, a human being has to be able to be selfless. In order for a human being to be selfless, he has to recognize the same dichotomy of creation itself. Man and woman started off as one and they become separated and are meant to join again together. God is everything, and God separated the human, so to speak, from himself, whatever it means that God blows the soul of man into his nostrils, and they are also meant to be reunited. But the question is, will man become this elevated, dignified human being that is selfless and lives in the image of God and acts for the good of creation, and mankind, or not. That ultimately is the Jewish mission, and that ultimately is what the rabbis mean when they say that the world was created for Yisrael. Now, we see emerging this week the type of nation that the Jewish people are, the selflessness, the sleeplessness that all of us are experiencing not because we ourselves are in the same danger as our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael, but because our family is in that danger. How many of us know people that their children, their grandchildren have five, six, seven, eight, ten, 10 or more family members serving now in this war. And the stories of course that are emerging are just unbelievable, but what I'm suggesting is that the reason that the jewish people are standalone is because we are living up to the credo of zahar Unkeva, male and female in our relationships with our spouses in our understanding of what it means to be a Selim elokim, being created in the image of hashem which is to teach us how to be selfless giving other centered thinking about the future of the next generations, not simply about our own survival and not simply about whatever makes us happy in the moment. And that is something that is at the heart of this war. Our war is to wage the battle of human dignity as opposed to the perverseness that humanity has a tendency In which to descend. And all we need to look at is Parshus Puratius, which concludes with the depravity and the destruction of the perfect world that God created because of the actions of man. Now, the ultimate solution, the rabbis tell us incredibly, is Moshe Rabbeinu and the Torah, because the Torah tells us from where in the Torah do we find Moshe Rabbeinu being indicated? This is a question that the rabbis ask in, in uh, Tractate uh, Zvachim in Hulen, and they incredibly ask, where do we see Moshe in the Torah? And the answer is from the end of Parashas Barishis. When the Torah is describing the depravity of human beings, the Torah says that Hashem said, I'm not going to contend forever about the spirit of man. Uh, my spirit will not forever contend about man. Because man is but flesh. And the rabbis say, is numerically equal to Moshe. Man is flesh. And that's where Moshe is indicated in the Torah. That's It's, it's like a, a mind-blowing uh, statement by the rabbis. We have dozens and dozens and dozens of sentences that mention Moshe, and the rabbis choose this sentence to tell us, oh, well, man is but flesh. That's where Moshe exists in the Torah. But the answer is, in order for man to be able to be flesh and be a man, we need the Torah. It's that simple. And Moshe Rabbeinu comes to teach us about this human ability to be able to be transformed and to become a higher level being. And that's ultimately what the Torah teaches us. And that's the only thing that can really save mankind. What we're talking about today is not just the survival of the Jews and the fact that people are hating on us and the fact that the insane, just there's no, the imbecilic comments that keep coming about, you know, defending uh, the Palestinians and the, the horrible memes. And it's just... It's nauseating to to even think about. And unfortunately, so many people are just so far gone. But that's the point. So many people are so far gone because they have lost all sense of humanity and reason. And those two things go together. And it's the Torah that ultimately is what helps us to be sane and human and ultimately dignified. Now, an amazing place to look for this human dignity in the Torah is actually in the laws of war. In the laws of war, in the Torah tells us, amazing uh, paragraph, where the Torah says, when you go out to war against your enemies, you should be guarded from everything evil. Now that's both a, um, an, a, a dictum, like a, a requirement that we have to be careful to stay away from evil things, but it's also a hope and a prayer that we should be protected from anything evil when we go out to war. By the way, this is chapter 23 in Deuteronomy, sentences 10 through 15. And if there will be a man among you that is not pure, he had a seminal emission at night, he should go out of the camp. He doesn't stay in the camp. Um, he can He's not allowed to go into the camp. And towards the evening, he has to wash and become purified. And when the sun sets, then he can come to the camp. And by the way, you need to have a shovel For yourself to go outside the camp and that's where you go and you use that shovel uh, in order to cover your waste and that's where you dig and you cover your waste that's what the Torah says because your God is walking among your camp Hashem alokacha which is something very very big theme I'm not going to go into it now but it's almost the highest form because Hashem alokacha your God is walking among your camp to save you to save you and to give your enemy before you and then your camp will be holy. And then God will not see a vulnerability or a nakedness among you, lest he does see that and turn away from you. A Rashi tells us, you know what it means to go outside of the camp? He says, first of all, you need to be protected from everything evil, because at a dangerous time, uh, Satan prosecutes. Secondly, he says, we don't just mean, you know, that the seminal emission or the uncleanliness happened at night. It could happen anytime. But, you know, this is just common speak for these types of things. He says you have to go out. That's a requirement. You can't come into the camp. That's a negative requirement. You're not allowed to go in there. And. the idea of leaving the camp is the idea of leaving the divine presence of God. That's what Rashi says. You have to have a place to go, and to leave the camp means to go outside of God's protection. So I would suggest that this is not only at the time of the desert, but this is today. God is with us when we are fighting our enemies, but in order for God to stay with us and to not turn away from us, we have to protect ourselves from all manners of evil, What does it mean, all manners of evil? So a fascinating comment by the Balaturn, he says, this is an evil pet, which means cursing, speaking bad language. evil pet. Why does he pick on that? You should be staying away from everything. Evil means don't curse, don't, don't say bad words. Yes. You know why? This is a beautiful explanation from my father that I heard years ago that I absolutely love. Why is it that all bad words have something to do with sexual organs or relations. Why is that? Because these are the physical parts of the human being, the most physical part that need to be dealt with, but they need to be dealt with in a wholly careful way. Can't embrace our physical nature and say, you know what, we're really animals. But that's what people are doing when they're cursive. They're connecting to the most physical part of themselves and giving themselves license to act with recklessness and even evil. Finish Marta Mikol D'varra is a way of saying, you need to protect your dignity of humanity when you're going to war. And you need to understand, and that is the battle. That is the battle. Going to war, fighting against your enemies. We have to be doing it in order to preserve human dignity not to become animals or subhuman or perverse, less than animals like them. That is the Jewish mission, to raise the dignity level of every human being on the planet, to be more in the image of Hashem, not less in the image of Hashem. Now, unfortunately, the naysayers and the... Palestinian supporters, even though who knows what a Palestinian actually is, doesn't really exist, will say, well, you know, you have to worry about proportional damage or you have to, you know, you're cutting off the water supply and all these things. Unfortunately, the Torah does tell us that there's a time that we have to face facts, that evil has to be eradicated. That's true. But we don't have to become gleeful. We don't have to become boastful. We don't have to become. Bloodthirsty. You have to be doing this with a deep sense of compassion and reluctance that it has to be done, not enjoying that this has to be done. Otherwise, we're not fighting for the dignity of being Bitzelkee. We know from so many teachings of the rabbis that God is devastated when the wicked people need to be destroyed. But that doesn't mean that you don't destroy them. Here we have sentences to talk about going to your work, going to war against your enemies. Obviously there's a time when you have to do battle, but you have to do it as the ultimate version of the human being that we can. We need to be careful about how we talk. We need to be careful about using the restroom in, in a time of battle. When everybody thinks it's just about com- being completely animalistic and vicious and cruel in order to get the job done, Torah is extremely careful to say no. God is with you. God is your protection, but only if you're acting in the dignified manner that Jews are meant to act, which is to protect that dignity for all of humanity. And the problem today is that we're so far away from the dignity of human beings, you can't even have an, a rational conversation with anybody to have discourse. There's just no listening. They're asking, you know, how can you? What? What about the the children that are in the hospitals in Gaza? And you know, I, I saw one video where the the IDF soldier responds, Well well what do you do if somebody is shooting at your children and using human beings to block you from them? What do you what are you gonna do? And at that point, of course, the reporter ends the conversation. Because there's no answer to that. And and nobody wants to hear the truth. And if we can fight the good fight with retaining the true dignity of being in the image of God and be showing the world what it means to be close to God, to only get rid of evil to the extent that we have to. Jews never celebrated the destruction of, of people. They only celebrated not needing to fight. God women we pray for that. We pray for more miracles from Hashem that we shouldn't need to fight, that uh, somehow the problem should resolve. We don't know how. We dive for that, but if we need to fight, we have to do it in a completely dignified and holy way so that God is truly with us. And with that, we can be successful. Let's take questions or comments now. Uh, we have, uh, it's one thirty. I wanted to make sure that we got done. And then at one we we'll begin that other portion.
2: Reminding me. Of the what's that? You don't, what's your time? I said, remind me, it says, you have to eradicate. And the uh, God doesn't like that you have to eradicate it, so you're scared that you're going to lose your compassion. So God says, there, I told you to eradicate it, but I'll give you back your Rachmin. You'll still be a compassionate person. So this is very important, like you just mentioned. That you have to always be compassionate. It's what he does, including when he has to eradicate somebody.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And my father learns that that was really the uh, rebuke that Yaakov was given Shimon and Levi. It wasn't right. because they destroyed Shimon and Levi. It's because they did it in their anger. Right. And, and unfortunately, all of us today are angry. And who can blame us? Uh, but that doesn't mean that we can act in anger. Don't get me wrong. We need to act, but it can't be with anger,
2: it has to be compassion and understanding and strength. But we still cannot our, our dignity exactly. Yeah, it's the other thing that's very interesting you mentioned. It's something to see that a lot of tits is being made now for the soldiers. I don't know if you saw her, they're making tits and tits and tits. I was just thinking one of the things the Mars said tits is it keeps you back from doing any of various from this so I you I just put together something you just said going into this battle every soldier is putting on tittus it's crazy to see this I think it's so clear what you just said that that the reason that they're putting on the tittus is to exactly the reason that you just said to be holy walking into this battle yes
1: yes that
2: not saying anything else. That's it. Only. But okay. How so did Good job, right. everybody.
1: Pleasure. I get you Thank you. Thank you. Uh, anybody else like to jump in? What? Uh, somebody. No, you're on. You're on mute. Nothing. Is that you? can see. Yes, it is. I'm sorry. Here I am.
3: Yeah. Alaikum I um just I missed your class, but I just joined in. I've yeah. had a few calls this morning. Um if that ties in with the second part of this agenda for your call. Okay,
1: great. So yeah, we'll do that shortly. Awesome. Thank you. Um
3: in terms, of, in terms of in terms of partial stuff, um I can just uh add what I once said in Yerushalayim at my cousins, the Talmud Rabbis, that uh, we believe in the confluence that we'll be observing the Shabbat, Shabbat Mevorachim, that there be both Nitzchiat from Shabbat and his Chadshus from Rosh Chodesh, that the two can coexist together and, and, and move forward.
1: Amen. It's a good bracha. Thank you. No, thank you,
3: Henry. It's good to see you.
1: I'm
3: just going okay. to get my. Going okay, to get my. I,
1: okay. So for for those of you that don't know. Uh, In a couple of minutes, we're going to do a portion of updates and, uh, God willing, um, some discussion and maybe about some practical suggestions uh, for what we can do today and in the coming weeks, hopefully. Um, We're looking for uh, people that will engage on this subject and hopefully will participate with uh, finding some, you know initiatives and and practical suggestions for good things to do um Ari Yehuda is going to lead this part of the, the conversation i uh, hope everybody will stay on um dr small i think may be joining us i'm not 100 percent sure i hope to uh you know um you know uh be able to um Help us all join together to do good things. That's the bottom line. Hopefully, you know, I come from the, the point of view that Israel really needs to be activated uh, because we are such an unbelievable nation descending from our, our forefathers. I guess while we have a couple minutes, I will just mention that some of the other comments of the Balatorim on that parasha talk specifically about number one, our weapons are the Midos of Hashem, the 13 attributes. Those are our weapons which is just unbelievable to think about. And number two, that because we're descended from Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov will never be removed because they really get the credit. Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov really get the credit for Uh embedding within our DNA, um, the ability to connect to that dignity. Uh, The chesed, the din, the rachamim, they made it part of what it means to be a Jew. And because of that, we, yeah. can, we can bank on that as being part of who we are. Dr. Fingal would you like to speak?
4: Yeah, well, I mean, bridging these two subjects, I, you, um, you said something about not adulterating yourself in, in the face of war. <laughs> and it's interesting because it, it made me think about, of course, sort of like the ethics of like, like how we define ourselves in the posture of war is really definitive for who we are because it defines what it is we're fighting for and it defines what it is we're fighting against. But there's another thing that kind of like kept, kept my thinking, which, which is the number of times Hashem admonishes the Jewish people for picking the wrong ally in these wars for exactly that reason. Whether it's Mitzrayim or the king of Aram, like there's there's real danger in turn in, in terms of looking to hired guns to help to help you out when when people are when it defined people are unaligned that's always really tempting it's something i sort of like struggle with and i think we all do which is you know you want to look for support um and you want to believe that there that there are people out there who who like who might be able to help you and there are deals with the devil that can be made it's just not true you know where where it comes to this stuff i think like i see the the um i i see the the sort of role of of the Jewish people to is to be is to be able to stand out to some extent and and, and to stand for To do that if you're lying too strongly with one political camp or another and they're not going to carry your interests that's part of the kind of point of irredeemable hypocrisy that we've reached I hope I didn't break up too much that are you
3: there
4: yeah did I break up you did. Sorry about that, guys. Um, I don't know how much you heard or, or how much you didn't, but there. I think that that part of the temptation when you're very vulnerable is to look for a, a larger group to save you. And I see a lot of, of Jewish people thinking that's going to be, you know, the the, the these the, the question is: Do these democracies really mean what they say? Do they really, really mean what they say? Um, and you know, I think that, that, that to some extent, that's always borne out. That question is really borne out at the limit on Jewish life. Like, that's what we've learned. Um, and it, it makes me think about sort of like, you know, the, the double duty that we do. That, that, you know, on the one hand, I see these different groups taking aim at Jewish life, and they're both on these populist camps. We can't align with those populist camps, and we have to unite with each other. We have to be able to look past the lies the populist camps tell about Jews, and they will especially be looking to do that right now on and, and, and they'll be doing that if they do it very strongly on one side. Our research suggests that it's inevitable they'll be doing it on the other. But that's it's a matter of time before they start dividing the laterer Between characterizing Jews as social justice nightmares and white supremacists versus the greatest threat to white supremacy that's ever existed. And and I think that the the as I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking what the rabbi said about remaining, remaining true to yourself during the conflict. That we can't find oh, we can't. How do you find you know salt, How do how do we find allies in that in that space? That's what's so definitive about this moment, in my opinion. Is that real? Is that really this is about you know Jewish life versus you know the versus authoritarianism? That's what this is on both sides. And the conflict is not defined by whether you're right or left. It's defined by whether or not you stand with the Jewish people. If you stand with the Jewish people, you you truly stand for liberty. You stand for something brave because we stand with ourselves. And and if we don't stand with ourselves and we choose those sides, if we choose these kinds of extreme right, extreme left views, we are going to get eaten alive from the inside. It's totally true. It's not going to help us in the long run. So as, as I was thinking about this adulteration that you're talking about, and how is that adulteration carried carried car, carried out ideologically? It's carried out through speech. It's carried out through through lies, accusations, yeah. and blame. Right? It's exactly yeah. how that polarization takes place. We have to break out of that. We have. I mean, we That's have specific. to break out of that. Not be- we yes. have to break out of that. Not because it's like not. It, we have to break out of that. Not because it's not good for you or because. It, we have to break out of that because reality is completely crucial to our survival. We have a relationship with understanding reality beyond the blame game that is absolutely crucial. We cannot adulterate what reality is. We can't afford to. Yeah. So I feel like that's the that's kind of the deal that I see emerging from all of this. Um, and it made me think about like you know why we have to be so careful, so unified, and so and, and so kind of meticulous especially during wartime. It's a remarkable thing, and you're right, that that does do the work for us in in, in some sense. Yeah.
1: Um, okay, uh, Henry, I think was... Henry, did you want to say something?
5: Yeah, yeah I just got back from Israel uh, on Tuesday. And uh, New York now, going to Persegg, New Jersey, my find somewhere next to me here. Hello, how are you? Good to see you. But one observation, uh, I missed most of the class because of all the time zone changes. But uh, I was in Israel, in March, and in June. And now again, we went back for Yom know, Kippur and support. And I was very concerned. When I was there in March and in June, because I saw the protests. I saw the infighting, listening to all the arguments and talking to people and secular people. And, and I said, this does not a good picture. Because I know the Iranians well, and I understand how the uh, Hamas thinks. I said this is going to be an opportune time for them to sit and say these guys can't even get along with one another. You know, how do we get them? And so, because of losing Achtu, I think we opened this vulnerability. And uh, when we were there, uh, the attacks started happening on Shabbat, exactly one week ago, and we experienced it for three days. It was it was a horrific experience. Just to be there on the ground and have, you know, uh, missiles blow up over your head. I think, I think I saw at least 15, 20 of them. In but the country came together very quickly, and it's like nothing ever happened. So I think primarily the, the loss of Akhut, uh, in my opinion, really angered Hashem. Like, you know, what are we doing to each other? And, and uh you know how quickly people came together, it's like it never even happened. So that's just an observation I wanted
3: to share. Yeah, I know. A, it's, a,
1: it's a great point. Um, we, we have been uh, kind of beating that drum as well, and you experienced it firsthand. Uh, what we're doing now in this segment, hopefully for the next several weeks and maybe longer, um, at 145, is we're asking people to come on with ideas of, of how we can all work together. So in other words, we want the actors to be not only that we're not fighting but actually figuring out how to use and pool different people's ideas, resources, talents, abilities, connections, um, to really galvanize call into one organism. We want to do our little part on this call. Um, I've asked a few people to join, um, and I don't know uh, if if Dr. Small can join today, but I'm hoping that by next week, we'll have a few more people like Dr. Patterson, who is on college campus, anybody who's following what's going on in college campuses in America that's just horrifying. And what we need to do is build a team, you know, build a team, Jewish people that is practically doing things together. To me, that's the synergy that Akkodeshmaru is looking for, not just to sit, you know, and blame, well, we're not Uh, you know, doing everything we need to and we're not, whether it's not not davening with enough concentration, not learning enough, uh, not being holy enough. There's tons of things that we need to do. But one major thing is to get practical on how we can work together. And so on that note, that's my little intro for the the 145 slot. Um, I've asked uh, our our dear Adrian, Aaron Yehuda Muller, to be in charge of this segment. Um, He is going to hopefully moderate If Dr. Small comes on with Dr. Small, Dr. Finkelstein has some things to share. I think uh, Nathan Twersky has something to share as well. Um, And and I would encourage all of us, whether it's Henry or uh, anybody else on the call, you have either connections or things to consider, um, you know, proffering to all of us. We definitely love to hear about it. What I'm going to do is actually stop recording now.
3: And we're going to begin the next segment with a new recording.